Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. I'm sure by now many of you have heard the exciting news that my newest book, How to the Love You Seek, is currently available for pre-order. And of course, those of you who follow along on our Self Healer Soundboard YouTube channel are having the opportunity to take a look at what I think is a beautiful cover here behind us now. I am so excited um, for this new book to come out and felt so inspired in writing it, especially because the topic of relationships is one that we explore quite often here on the soundboard. And I hear more often than not from many of you knowing exactly what it is that we want in our partnerships, yet continuing to struggle to create that change. Many of us carrying or continuing to repeat patterns and cycles passed on throughout our families. Relationships generally are hard. And we thought this would be a great moment to take an opportunity to have a chat about relationships. I'm all smiles with the announcement of this book, hearing you talk about this book and the conversation and the concepts, the whole reason it came to be in the first place, I believe is just such a unique and such a divine opportunity for all of us to really come home to ourselves and actually get what it truly means to be in authentic relationship with ourself and another. And not only what it means, but how does that actually happen? How do we actually do that? Because like you said, and I love this key word, we know so much. We know so much in our lives, yet there's a disconnect from the knowing to an actual being or an actual embodiment. And that being and embodiment being quite literally in the actual body, which is the illuminating thread for me in this book, How to Be the Love You Seek, that makes it to me unlike any other relationship book because it's not about the knowing. We have enough thought. We have enough concept. We understand. We know. We take in. We regurgitate. Very seldom have we practiced as a society and a culture, a world even, to embody, to actually be with. And that being with in our physical body is the acknowledgement of our nervous system and how we're responding to our lives. Yes, from our thoughts and our past that happens up here, yet our body is the first one responding. So what's been done so beautifully in this book, and I think is really the bedrock of this conversation, is the fact that despite all of your knowing, despite all of the relationship classes you might take or all of the learning that you do, if you're not looking at the body and the nervous system and the imprint our past and earliest experiences have had on us physically, then we are going to stay in this circular rut where our relationships don't work. We're dissatisfied. We're unhappy. We just want someone to see us for the all of us, even though we don't know what the all of us is. And that all of us, I truly believe and know you do as well, is really rooted in our actual physical heart. It's funny, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking back and I talk about this a little bit in leading into the book of really acknowledging how much of this book for me was informed by not having that <laughs> language and not having made that bridge and actually having in an, in an old life of mine worked as a couples therapist. I mean, very early on in my clinical training, I was really fascinated with relationships, with seeing, you know, dynamic interactions between couples, working with families. And so I did just that. And I spent several years working sometimes with the same couples coming into my treatment room week after week, you know, trying to work on 
self-identified problems, conflicts, you know, these patterns that weren't serving them. And I'll be the first to admit how I left many of those sessions feeling really demoralized. Here I was, the professional in the room, right, with all of these tips and tools and, you know, awarenesses I could share and, and new things to suggest, though the reality of it was, to be really bluntly, nothing worked. And the reason why nothing was working, so oftentimes couples would leave and I, I would feel so disempowered, can't imagine how they were feeling not being able to utilize this helpful, supportive space that was therapy. And of course, this is not me talking down on therapy. The reason I now know that I wasn't able to really implement or help these individuals create change was because the whole body was left out of the conversation. There was, for me, no education, no awareness in how foundational our nervous system is. Because what you're very beautifully describing is the neurobiological impact of our relationships, our earliest relationships, and then how that neurobiology quite literally becomes wired in our subconscious mind. So all of these tools, all of these insights that many of you might even listening be talking about in your own couples therapy offices weren't actually able to communicate or translate into change because our bodies were still housing so much of that old stuff. So, so much again of this book was not only informed by my disempowered moments as a clinician, but again, I would be lying if I didn't acknowledge that I was repeating the same patterns, all of this insight and awareness that I thought I was gaining training as a clinical psychologist, being in my own therapy, being in my own group therapy at times with other individuals, same in my relationship, wasn't translating to how I was showing up in my own personal relationship. So I, like many of you, could not build that bridge, felt increasing resentment, increasing upset right at the world around me, at all of my inability to create change for myself and really for the clients that I was working with. You say it so well in the book and so succinctly. I think you're giving the example actually of being in practice. And there's a couple that is the demonstration of this example. And you know, you went through all of the questions, asked them about their childhood, yet there wasn't a connection or a conversation about the actual body and the nervous system. That was the piece that was missed. And you mentioned in here, I believe it's Dr. Lisa Feldman Barnett from Northeastern University, who is it constructed emotions? Is this her theory that emotions we largely talk about as, you know, a, a mental concept. It's a thought that happens up here in our minds or we interchange the word feeling and emotion. So we're acting as if we're having the thought that then is sending the message to our body. And what Dr. Lisa Feldman Barnett discovered in her theory, Constructed Emotions, is actually the sensation and the memory is happening first within the body and then sending that message to our mind. Now, it's not necessarily our conscious mind that then is rationalizing or analyzing that sensation. It is our subconscious mind that is reacting to and analyzing that sensation, our subconscious mind being locked into the experience from the past. So there is so much wisdom and so much empowerment. I love that you're saying how disempowered you felt when there wasn't a conversation about the nervous system 
And it makes so much sense because how how could you move forward? You quite literally can't physically move forward. You could mentally with your thought, but at a certain point, you notice that friction. You notice that unworkability in your relationships because there is a disconnect between the mind and the actual body. And in this case, also the heart, which is why we're looking at our conversations holistically. The work we're doing is holistic healing or holistic psychology, quite literally meaning heart, mind, body, and soul. All of them is one entity working in harmonious alignment. So even going back to earlier, I think I heard you, um, you know, kind of compare how to be the love you seek to, you know, what I would call kind of traditional type relationship books. And I think you heard you kind of define it or describe it somewhat as not along the traditional lines. And I couldn't, you know, more, more agree with you in that statement, because what we really are talking about, and as I think we've even said here on the podcast in the past, is the relationship that we're really needing to create first and foremost is with ourselves. Before we can show up whole in partnership with someone else, we really are, and in this book, How to Be the Love You Seek, is really first and foremost a foundational book about our relationship with ourself, including our body in this conversation, our nervous system in particular, so that we can create the safety and the security that we need to, for many of us, rediscover our wholeness, to attune to our heart. And a lot of the science throughout this new book really does highlight the still continued emerging science of our heart. We are just now discovering how powerful indeed our heart is, how it does send out an electromagnetic field that even passes that which our brain sends out. It's always communicating endlessly with the world around us. And in my opinion, it houses that unique essence, that thing that makes me me and the thing that makes you different from me, Jenna, you, you. So really emphasizing again, not only the science behind why our heart is so important, but again, the practice behind getting reconnected. Again, love itself isn't something that many of us are seeking from out there. It really begins by creating that foundational, safe, and secure relationship with our person, with our being, so we can become more connected to our heart so that then we can actually embody and create a life from that space. We can quite literally, as the title suggests, become the love we seek. And as you're beautifully describing, Jenna, it really does begin foundationally in our individual person, in our body in particular. I'm obsessed with this title, How to Be the Love You Seek, Being the Love You Seek. Someone said to me years ago, you don't have to be, you don't have to look for love when love is where you come from. And it still makes me choked up now. I can feel a lump in my throat and my whole chest just start to flutter because that that love and that heart is that for me was my first home. That's where I found solace and safety was not in the environment around me, which was extremely unpredictable and unsafe. I went within. And for all of you who do appreciate the science and the background and the validation of all of these concepts and things, you will absolutely love the conversation of this book because it is rooted in the neurobiology of even helping me understand why it was that I went within when I was a child. There was something that, you know, by the grace of God, I'm very grateful to have remained connected to in a moment of survival and need when there was no safe adult around me, there was no safe environment. I went within and followed the connection of my own heart. 
I didn't follow my logical brain or my thoughts. I was very attuned and have always been very aware of the sensations of my physical body. This quote I say all of the time, there is more wisdom in your body than in your deepest philosophy. And it's Nietzsche who has said that. I've repeated it a thousand times because that awareness and physical sensation While many of us are working to tune into those sensations, there are also many of us who have never had the logic or the thought to understand it, but could always feel and were aware of the physical sensations. And for some of us, like myself, using those as my guide. So you may have heard me describe it before. My whole life has felt like there was a fishing line around my heart, and I've been quite literally following the pull of it, where I would feel that flutter in my heart, a connection to that intuition as if it was speaking to me, as if it was guiding me. Now, many of us as adults in our healing are learning how to tune into and do just that. I went on a journey of being led by that and am coming now to emerge with people like you, Nicole, where we get to apply the other side and say, well, okay, here's what's actually behind that. Here's what that pull of your heart is, what that intuition is. And staying connected to that or beginning to understand that now, if this is a new practice for you, will allow you to now create a life in alignment with what you desire and what it is that you want to be seeking. Because the reality is all of us, our entire lives have always been the love that we are seeking. We don't always want to admit that the love we have attracted into our lives, that we are an active player in that. However, When we really look at this objectively and I look at the state of my nervous system and the state of my heart and the energy that my heart is emitting out, that electromagnetic field, and my nervous system, which I know can respond and attune to other nervous systems around me, then it makes sense. I can kind of depersonalize that, well, my nervous system and my heart very living entities, my whole life, my nervous system and my heart have been acting like magnets to draw into my field around me, not which I'm mentally desiring or seeking, but that which are an actual match for the physical state of my nervous system and the physical electrical state of my heart space. I think this is yet another one of those moments, Shanna, where you and I really do come, like you kind of suggested earlier, (laughs) from quite different experiences because I, and I'm speaking to all of you out there who don't resonate with this inner guidance, have no idea what you're talking about when you hear heartstrings and, you know, any sensations, because as I've often described, I've lived decades of my life away on a spaceship. I, I had a numbness um, about me. I think the the earliest memories and one of the last memories I, I have of my heart really was in childhood, as I've, I think once described a couple of times on this podcast, even that deep ache. And then probably from about adolescence on, it was more of a numbness. I didn't have those moments of dropping in and of attuning to anything at all inside of me. I actually quite did the opposite. I looked outside of myself for feedback, for suggestions, for even sometimes outward prescriptions or being told what to do and how to do it from someone else. There was no turning inward like you so naturally developed as your own coping style. Again, my tendency to disconnect was similarly at one time, my only opportunity to 
to create safety when my body was overwhelmed by emotion. So much of my journey I share between the covers of this new book is actually describing that process of not being, of, of even meeting concepts like soul as a scientist. I mean, I can't tell you how many decades I've been in school where, you know, we were taught the hard fact, objective facts of science and only to believe those. So I had a chuckle, you know, oftentimes even reading and writing this new book um, in terms of so many of these new concepts like soul, like heart, like intuition, like my own journey of even being able to turn inward and attune to it are so new and were so new for me at one time. So I share, again, so much of my own journey as I did in how to do the work, as well as other examples of community members, clients I've worked with, like you shared that one couple in particular, through these pages. Because as we do week after week on this podcast, I believe it is really in hearing other people's journey and stories, understanding that it won't be exactly the same as our lived experience, though in it, and this is even why we structure the podcast conversationally as we do there is so much resonance or opportunity to feel a little less alone and a little less shameful on our journeys when we are hearing or reading about other individuals who have struggled in the same way. So a big hope of, of, of this book is any work that we put out um, in the pages of a book or chat about um, on any of these platforms. That is one of my greatest hopes is to relieve that shame, is to you know meet a character, maybe, maybe even aspects of my own journey for those of you who have been resonating with what I share on here in the pages of this book and to allow that to then relieve that shame that you might feel and relieve the loneliness that I know I felt for decades, believing I was the only one who felt like this and really in a lot of ways embodied that old or uh, cliched statement that some of you might have heard spoken before of being alone in a crowded room, right? That, that feeling that I just embodied being shut down for my heart really did translate to a lifetime of loneliness until, of course, I became aware of all of this. And my hope, again, is not only to relieve shame of what currently is in terms of the habits and patterns in our current relationships, but to provide tools, applicable ways to begin to cross that bridge from insight into action so that readers can actually begin to create the change in the relationships that they're looking for. I was giggling out loud to myself reading this book, particularly in a part where you talk about a decade or so ago where you're talking about the concept of soul and you literally say like, soul, what is soul? Where is it? Is it is in my body. And knowing you, of course, and loving you just brings all the more joy to that moment. Though even if I didn't, that's such a relatable experience. I don't personally have the relation to that experience of like, oh, soul, what is it? Soul was my parent, my God, for whatever reason. I think, you know, we grew up going to church, but in a spiritual way, not in a religious way. My mom always just had blind faith. I just learned, even if it was a little gaslighting as a child, everything <laughs> will be okay. You just got to have faith. But I, re I really did have faith. I really did believe and still do that everything is okay. Everything is as it should be. Everything will all work out because that's just the nature of why we're here. And to hear your experience of learning that and kind of an outsider's perspective, just a light bulb went off. And I thought, oh, that's, it's going to be so relatable. And I imagine so many of you who are watching or listening also relate to that and some still do and grapple with, well, what is soul? What actually is that? It's a discovery and an embodiment. I think that we come to on our own. And I, 
absolutely love and see more and more every single day why it is that we have merged from such different backgrounds and such different paths because there's so much varying residence and there's such a broader spectrum, I believe, of relatability that even if even if I'm sharing and someone doesn't relate to me or even if one of us is sharing something that the other hasn't experienced or for you who are viewing and listening to this, if there's a personal share of Nicole's or of mine, you might notice, you know, a lot of you tend to relate more to Nicole. A lot of you will tend to relate more to me. And what you've done so beautifully in this book, I believe, is in these examples, even when there's a moment that I'm like, wow, I couldn't be more different than <laughs> Nicole. I couldn't have come from a more different path to have led me here. There's such an understanding of your path and of the other experience. And I'm using myself as an example because that's all I can really do, though that's extended out for all of you who are tuning in, that the examples in this, you might find your own pinger and resonance with. And if you don't, you might find and identify with, wow, I don't relate to that at all. And in the non-relating to it, I have found such a relation and resonance to an experience of another being that I didn't go through, that I couldn't have possibly connected to without connecting to the fact that I didn't resonate with it. So in the learning and knowledge, while this is you know, for ourselves in our own hearts, that's really the thing that emanates out and creates all the relationships around us, it offers such an expansive blueprint for understanding or really expanding our understanding and awareness from all of the different functioning paths and humans and hearts and what may or may not resonate with them. And when you can even just have that expansive understanding, I don't need to know everyone who walks in a room and understand their background. However, I do have an expanded awareness of where they come from and how I can actually use that information while it couldn't be more opposite than my own, while you in so many ways couldn't be more different than me, in that difference, there's a likeness and we get to merge and connect in that common universal thread that we are each coming from the same heart space and from the same heart energy, much like all of you who are tuning into this are doing just the same. I have a, for those of you who are watching, I can't actually wipe the smile know, off my face in hearing you say this because I'm quite tickled because what you're describing, Jenna, and we didn't, I don't, we didn't even share this aspect of, of we haven't your, shared much of together your about takeaway this. before this episode. So this is why I'm particularly tickled by this because what you're really describing and back to what you beautifully introed and brought up this concept of authentic self, right? This like uniqueness that is us because the reality of being in a deep, authentic relationship is actually doing exactly what you're describing holding space for difference, being curious about difference, not just trying to package or fit people in as we'll naturally subconsciously do until we become aware of it to older packages, to older dynamics, to older models in a relationship. And the reality of it is we are different, unique, beautiful creatures and true interdependence is like that puzzle analogy that you so beautifully paint for us is coming together like a beautiful picture. We're actually not the same puzzle pieces, though together with our unique strengths and differences, we actually make that beautiful 
puzzle, that whole. And that's what interdependence really, really is. Though a lot of us, again, myself included, when we're operating from our subconscious mind, gravitating toward the familiar, we actually don't create the space for difference. For a lot of us, differences in and of themselves feel, and when I'm talking about feel, I mean in our physiological body, threatening to us. So we can't actually hold space for difference because difference doesn't feel safe. And for even more of us, what feels quote unquote safe are the familiar habits and patterns of our childhood, which for a lot of us contain trauma, contain dysfunctional dynamics, aren't actually objectively safe at all. But because they're familiar, we'll continue to try to package everyone into that familiar you know, idea, that concept, that dynamic when in reality, we're losing out on the beautiful mm. difference. We're losing out on the opportunity to even get to know someone else for who they are. Similarities, differences, and everything in between. So my greatest hopeful takeaway of this and why I you know, continue to think of this book as a, a paradigm shifter, not only, again, is it really refocusing the foundational work on the relationship with ourself that we can begin to do to create that space, but it really does shift us into what we're really looking for in a relationship. We're not, as many of us think, we're not looking for the same. We actually benefit again from the collaboration and the harmony, really, and the wholeness that can come with learning, as many of us have to do, how to create that space for difference. Shifting from seeing difference as threatening and actually beginning to celebrate difference for the beautiful opportunities that they offer us, which is why, in my opinion, this is going to sound really grand and lofty as, as many statements I typically make do. I believe this is a book that can help us quite literally continue to change the world. The more grounded and secure we become in ourselves, the more able we are to create authentic partnerships and celebrates differences in other people, the more our collective actually moves toward harmony, toward connection, and toward collaboration. Lofty or not, I actually hear that statement and I take it so literally and so objectively and just in an energetic and in a quantum <laughs> aspect, it is true. It is so. This book literally is going to shift and change the world because it will connect you to your own heart. Now, it's not the book that suddenly starts <laughs> glowing and takes over your body and suddenly does all this magic. No, it's you, the being, and the heart, the intuition, the essence, your soul, your divine nature that is expressed through this human physical suit that is responding to a very physical nervous system and nervous system states. It is you who chose to tune into this episode, who chooses to pre-order the book or pick up the book in the fall when it is released. You're setting an intention for yourself and your relationships, and then you're following through with an action. Now, while of course we want you all to partake in this book and conversation with us, so Yes, it is available for pre-order at howtobetheloveyouseek.com, though we understand that this isn't just attached to this book. It's attached to the conversation and the intention and the work of honoring ourselves and our hearts and finding ways to begin that reconnection and to become aware that while I might know that I'll repeat my childhood cycles, you know, I'm in an abusive relationship in childhood 
And suddenly I find myself continually drawn to the same thing in adulthood, or I was abandoned as a child. I continuously seek out partners who either leave me, abandon me, or I create myself to be someone that is unworkable to be with, that quite literally pushes the other person to make no other choice but to leave the situation so that I can prove to myself that once again, I am not worthy. I am only worth being left and being abandoned. We can understand the concept that we repeat that and very less often, this will change now with this book and these conversations, is there a conversation? This doesn't negate or excuse anyone, but less often is there a conversation about the fact that I am actually biologically wired. It's in my neurobiology to seek out those relationships. I am seeking the fulfillment and the comfortability of the familiarity of that nervous system state that occurs within my physical vessel, my physical body, when I am in those relationships. If it mirrors the state of the past, even if that was chaos, dysfunction, fight, flight, shut down, that stress overwhelm that my nervous system got locked into, it likes and prefers being locked in there because that's what it learned to know. That's what it learned to predict. So then a new relationship comes along that might be calm, peaceful, something entirely new. And many of us, many of you resonate and share this often. You know, it's not exciting. It's not thrilling. I'm bored in this relationship. It's almost safe. There's nothing drastic happening. There's no spikes. There's no unpredictability. I don't want it. Because our nervous system in that experience has no idea what to do. It's completely terrified that this new environment is stepping in and it needs that consistent stress overwhelm that it's come from. So it really helps us, I believe, this book and this these conversations, which is just so woven so beautifully throughout How to Be the Love You Seek, are really our first opportunity to empower ourselves in an actionable way, making that connection from our mind to our body without using it as an excuse. Oh, okay. Now I understand that my nervous system has actually prevented me from seeking those relationships. I'm wired to recreate the past. Well, now that I have that information, yes, it might be a little sweat off your back or a little release of understanding though not an opportunity to just say, oh, that's why I do that. Okay. Because then you're back to the same. It's more knowing you've taken in more knowledge and you're not making that bridge, as you like to say, from insight into action. And when we have a conversation about our nervous system and our heart, when it comes to relationships, the conversation itself is building the bridge brick by brick to create that insight into actual integrated action. And much like for those of you who read How to Do the Work, um, the format of How to Be the Love You Seek is very similar to speak to this point, Jenna, which is that every, I think every chapter um, ends with, if not throughout each chapter, are those actionable, whether it's so much. Prompts, There's so much in it. whether it's actual practices of how to create nervous system wellness, whether it's breath works or meditations, it is all in those pages. So my hope is not only to take away, you know, that informational aspect, the awareness, as I always 
break change down into two steps. And again, acknowledging that for many of you, that awareness is healing in and of itself. It relieves that shame. It gives us that kind of point of knowledge, maybe even that awareness of a new practical thing to do, though, then to continue to consistently build that bridge um, throughout the pages. Again, our bite size, small ways you can begin to integrate these new tools into your day-to-day habits, because that's as always what we're talking about here. Um, my goal is to actually impart and give everyone the tools, whether it's through books or again, continued conversations on this podcast to begin to integrate that change, to create sustainable habits, not just to white knuckle it. And as many of us have done in the past, see things change for a little bit of time before they inevitably go back into those older patterns or habits to actually create change that we can maintain into the future so that we can begin to create these deeper, authentic partnerships and relationships, whatever the relationships look like in your world. And on that note, of course, this is just the beginning of our conversations on this podcast, the Self-Healer Soundboard, about all things relationships, about all things how to be the love you seek. Um, As always, once this book does release, I'm sure we'll be carving out some episode time for those of you who for whatever reason, are unable to purchase the book, don't have access to it, don't have the financial means to do it or to purchase it, I should say, um, please do know that as we've done with our past two books, How to Do the Work and How to Meet Yourself, we will also be continuing conversation about the book itself. Again, once the book is released, though, for those of you who do intend to purchase the book, again, a reminder, it is on pre-order now. We'll make sure that all of the links are below if you are watching this on YouTube and or you can check out howtobethelovyouseek.com for all information on where to pre-order your own copy. And as always, looking forward to continuing this conversation with you during next episode on the soundboard.